From the global headquarters of the Asgard Company in beautiful downtown Wichita Falls, Texas. From the finest mind in the modern fitness industry. The one true voice of the strength and conditioning profession. The most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, Starting Strength Radio. Thank you, Mark Wolf. Appreciate the intro. Thank you for joining us again on Starting Strength Radio. We're here with our friend uh, Nick Delgadillo today. And today we are going to start a, a new series of discussions here on Starting Strength Radio. We're going to talk about the two-factor model of sports performance preparation. And uh, like to refer you just for background to the article we wrote on uh, on that topic on the website, and I think it's just called the two factor model of I believe so sports performance. Uh, something similar, easy to find. Look it up in the article sections under my name, and uh, you can prepare by reading that. But uh, basically. Uh, the two-factor model is uh, uh, recognizes that a performance in sports occurs at a certain period in a certain time frame. Uh, sports have a season. Competitions have a date. Tournaments have dates. Your preparation leads up to that event. And there's two different components of preparation, training and practice. And we'll talk more about this later. But today we're going to talk with Nick about fighting and training and practice for fighting. Nick, what is, uh, for those of us that don't know this, don't have this all memorized, what is your, <laughs> what's your background uh, well, in beating people up? <clears throat> for instance, could you have helped Andy know Who the hell's yesterday Andy in Portland? I don't know who that is. It's the guy that got beat up yesterday in Portland. How did he get beat up? Antifa beat him up. <laughs> Real bad. No, there's too many of them. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. They beat the piss out of him. That's why you need to carry 18 rounds. Yes, 18. He could have He could have He could have probably shut some of that down yeah. with the first 8 sure. or 10 rounds at least. But it's Portland, and you're not allowed. You're not allowed to so defend you can't yourself, defend yourself in Portland, and the police aren't allowed to right. help you either. Yeah. And uh, put him in the hospital. Little concussion, had a little bleed. Uh, kept him overnight. Because even so, though there was a bunch of them, they weren't able to effectively beat him up. No, they don't know how to. Yeah. No, they just <laughs> threw a milkshake at him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> threw a rock at it. Really, one of them goes. <laughs> Like that. That's how Andy Five fights. And he actually yeah. slipped and got kicked a few times. Yeah, he? yeah, he fell down. He got kicked. I can he's got the a big thing. chunk out of his lower eyelid here. And yeah. he's, uh, you know, they hit him in the head. Uh, those guys are running around swinging bike locks Jesus. on the ends of chains at, yeah. uh, that they carry. Yeah. I don't know why none of them have a proper knife or a because they can't have them. Because they can't have knives in Portland. Yeah. Yep. That actually goes well, the, bad or something. I don't know what the deal what, is. What was this guy doing around these assholes? What he was doing was filming them. Oh, he's a journalist. That, he's, he's a, a journalist. journalist. Okay. He's right. a photojournalist. Yeah. He happens to work for Quillette. Yeah. And uh, he uh, was just walking along with them filming. Yeah. And he's done this several times. And he's just a journalist. And he gets labeled, 
Well, he gets labeled a conservative journalist yeah. when Antifa beats him up because they're left. Of course, right. Right. So who you get beat up by defines who you are. Yeah. If you were beat up by the Proud Boys, they don't seem to be famous <laughs> for doing that. But if you were beat up by the Proud Boys, you'd be a leftist journalist. That's right. Right. Yeah. And since he got beat up by these fascist anti-fascists, he's a conservative journalist, right. yeah. even though he's not. He's yeah. You know, he's a he's a gay journalist, and he just happens to be interested in people getting beat up by Antifa. So they beat him up pretty bad, Jeez. and I looked at some of this video, and it didn't appear to me that he had any of the tools necessary to defend himself because, I, I mean, it's Antifa. Well, if he, these people are— If he expected to get beat up— Turds. Sure. And if he expected you know, to get beat up, he would have hopefully taken some precautions. You you wouldn't think. You would think. But no, he wasn't were expe- he wasn't expecting to get beat up. And I don't think he was. I think it was it because he'd done this before and uh and I don't think that he'd ever been hurt this bad, but he got hurt pretty bad. Yeah. And uh he could have been hurt a hell of a lot sure. worse. Yeah. Somebody hits you in the head with something. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't think most people understand that it's not like in the movies yeah. where you get hit in the head and you're unconscious for 10 minutes or a convenient period of time right. for the for the script, and then you just miraculously yeah. wake up. Uh, somebody hits you in the head with a crowbar, uh, you're going you're gonna to be yeah. fucked up. Yeah, it's not going to be you good. Know? It's not going to be good. <clears throat> Fractured skulls, bad, bad deal. Yeah. Lifelong consequences. Right, right. And Andy was not prepared for this. Uh I mean, there's a case to be made for everybody. Everybody ought to know what to do in a fight. Yeah. Because you can't control when it's going to be. Sometimes yep. they things overwhelm you when you don't intend right. to be antagonistic, yep. when you don't intend to be in a fight. Sometimes, sometimes it happens that they come to you yep. and attack your ass, right. just like they did him. Yeah, and the moment to figure out that you don't know how to fight is not – when you're in the middle of a fight. When you're in the middle of the fight. <laughs> so when you're on the ground getting kicked in the sure, head by sure. some fucking clown yeah. with Doc Martens on. Right. And a and a fucking pussy black mask over yeah. his face at pussy fucking in one of the goggles r- and a yeah. pussy hat on his head. In, so yeah. the little pussy can't be recognized because he's a pussy. In Everybody of- in Antifa is a pussy. And one in one of the most well-off cities in the most well-off country in the world. Everybody in Antifa is a pussy. God damn it! I'm gonna have to is a fucking protect pussy. myself from Antifa now. Yeah, you are. So am I. <clears throat> so are you. I don't mind doing. <laughs> There's no Antifa in North Texas, at least well, in Wichita Falls. Not yet. Not yet. Not you yet. Know, and they maybe won't tomorrow. They won't last long here. No, no, no. It's too hot here for Antifa. It's too hot. Yeah, the masks. They yeah, sweat too much. We don't have enough coffee shops. Yeah. Everybody has guns. Everybody has guns. It's amazing. You don't see a lot of like people getting robbed or you don't see mob attacks. You don't see carjackings. Even in Dallas. In you know, Dallas, you, get you don't some, see carjackings. Every, every once in a while, you get some asshole. What did this guy do the other day? He like wanted to sh- have a shootout with the cops. Did you hear about this? No. He dressed up in, in a bunch of stupid tactical gear. Oh, yeah. And would he go to a bank? Where did he go? Do you, did you oh, that was that? Yeah, I read about three weeks ago. And yeah, then, I And heard. then the Dallas cops just took him out. It was, you know, yeah, they just shot him. They just shot him. Oh, it was a government building. Yeah, yeah. Just shot him. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, that exactly what happens, they should have done. Um, but yeah, or like are, those two guys that tried to, to tried to invade the 
the book signing that yeah the the well, Muhammad drawing yeah contest Muhammad drawing contest Jeez. that was uh, that was three or four years ago yeah yeah and these guys it, it didn't last these long. guys got out of the car <laughs> and started running at the building going Allahu Akbar or whatever it is yeah. they say and the the off duty cop that's outside just pulled his Glock out and went and shot him yeah Whap! yeah Whap! And they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. how it should. Yeah. That's just perfect. <laughs> oh my God. That's how it's done here. And but in Portland, apparently it's wide open open season. Open season. Gun free on, zones, man. So so everybody. here's the deal. So the 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 answer to your question, first of all, is is the none of us are likely to get involved in these kind of situations. Not right. Likely so we're not likely know. to get robbed. We're not likely to get beat up. We're not likely to get stabbed, shot. We're not likely to be involved in an active shooter situation, um, but with that said, um, I personally especially think, if we don't go to port, especially if you don't put yourself in city right. shitty situations, right? Right. Uh, right? Which is a smart thing to do. Uh, so number one problem is most guys, especially, think they already know how to fight. Yeah, and they don't just because they're guys. Just because they're guys, it's just built into us. We all think we we're, we're badass. Um, and then the other thing is that. Just in general, it's it's good. I believe it's good for everyone, not not just guys, but everyone, to be able to fight. So just to even have an understanding of what fighting actually is. And let's not even talk about just individual styles or whatever. But the 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 idea that you and another human being um, are competing with each other with some stakes involved in a very close and physical encounter. Uh, even if, you know, it, it, I don't want to talk about fighting, street fighting, but it, it, where you're training and you're practicing this stuff, it, it, it gives you a perspective that is important that a lot of us in this comfortable technological world don't have. Right. right? You get a lot of people walking around who have these silly ideas about their status and their position in life mm-hmm. that is all, completely made up. Because at the end of the day, what you know, I mean, we're we're still animals, we're still mammals, mm-hmm. and we still have this hierarchy thing in our brain. So, um, w- when you get on the mat with somebody, it humbles you, because you know you're not a badass, because there's right. somebody better than you, right? And it's right. hard, and it's difficult, and the yes. process is you hard. You can be beat. You can be beat. You can be beat, right? So all the fantasies go away. All the uh, the things that you put into your head from the time you're a little kid about what fighting is like about yeah, what, and what you're going to say in what certain you're gonna situations say, what you're going to do running your mouth right, that right. that sort of thing yes. if you if you understand that you may be running your mouth at the wrong guy yep. you tend to and guess what happens when people that. train like when i said anti fire was a bunch of pussies <laughs> you know that kind of running your mouth yep Except that but that's true. That's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Except that that part's that's true. Right. The masks and everything. Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. The uh, w- what you find is that when you when you're around people that train hard and that actually do things that are difficult and have fought other human beings, even if it's not competitively or you know just even in training, uh, those are some of the best people you'll ever deal with because mm-hmm. there's no bullshit. There's right. no bullshit. They know what they're capable of at right. a very, very real level. They know what they're capable of. Right. They, and they know, know what, what they can get of. into and That's what right. they can get out of. That's right. Yep. In all right. my in all my years of doing this stuff, uh, when I so I got into into fighting stuff in my early twenties, like twenty one, twenty two, and in that time I've gotten in one serious fight, and it was a huge mistake. Dark time in my in my history, but mm-hmm. um, but since then. As I got right. more experienced in that kind of world, 
I mean, you just start avoiding things, and right. you know how to avoid things. Right. You don't want to be you, in those situations. You cannot always control the outcome of this thing. Like the Antifa pussy might sneak up behind you That's while exactly you're dealing right. one of his buddies and hit you in the head right. with a bike lock. Yeah. Like a pussy. Yep. There's one guy you in know, that group. You know, take a sucker punch yep. or stick a shiv in your ass. Right. You know, and, and there you are bleeding out like our friend yeah. Constantinops. That's right. You know. There's one guy the in that The baddest group. motherfucker right. on earth is dead. Yeah. You've got 20 you've got 20 people who are to put it in your words pussies. Yes. But you have one guy in there who's not. And or even if he is a pussy and he's willing to sneak he's up willing behind to go, you. He's willing to go another level and stick you in right. the back. Right. Cuz you're still going to bleed out. Cuz there's that group mentality and everybody's right. kind of jumping in, right. but there's one guy who's real serious about this right. and he wants to hurt you. Yeah. You know, and you can't predict that. No. You can't predict when that's going to happen. And you happen. can't control it. Because right. you can't see 360. Yeah. Right. And you just don't need to be in the situation. Yeah, exactly. Even if it is with a bunch of anti-fa pussies. Sure. You don't want to do that. Yeah. So, fight practice teaches you these important things. Sure, of course, of course. Yes. Yeah, so, um, well, anyway, let's a- answer the second question, which is my background, I guess. So, okay. uh, I always liked martial arts. Every Everybody does. You know, you like mm-hmm. Bruce Lee and, and fighting movies and kung fu and stuff like that when you're a kid. Uh, but I, it, martial arts in my head growing up was going to the karate school. You know, that was that was what was everywhere. There's karate and taekwondo everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was never interested in, in wearing a uniform and, and uh, doing katas and sensei and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I never got into it. Um, I played football, played rugby. I liked violent things. And uh, in my early 20s, a friend of my brother's uh, told him about uh, Muay Thai. He was doing Thai boxing. And uh, we and he invited us to come. I was like, I don't know what that is. I looked it up online in the beginnings of the Internet. I saw some pictures. I was like, this looks cool. So we went down and uh, we go into this little basement, Gold's Gym, downtown St. Louis. And uh, I was blown away. You know, there's there's about eight people in there. And these guys are kicking the shit out of these pads. And, uh, you know, nobody's bowing. Nobody's doing any formal stuff. And I was like, well, this looks like boxing. You know, this looks mm-hmm. like actual fighting, you know? Right. Uh, Not a bunch of dojo shit. Yeah, yeah. So that was it. That was it. I was in. And uh, I started training uh, in that stuff. Through through that, um, this was Ron Smith's Muay Thai Academy back in St. Louis. And uh, from there, we did some submission grappling stuff, too, which was my first exposure to any kind of wrestling or anything like that. Um, and, you know, from there, I was training anywhere from five to 25 hours a week, depending on what was going on. Um, then I got into Krav Maga. Krav Maga, by the way, is, uh, is, is mostly bullshit. You know, it's like CrossFit now where you, mm-hmm. you uh, it started with good intentions and, and it's just spread too fast, too quickly. Too fast, Affiliate too quick, type thing. Too much commercial potential. Sure, sure. And it, lost and it, side of the whole point of the whole right, thing. right. Yeah, but so, in its purest form, what is Krav Maga? Yeah, in the in the purest form, so you can think of it in terms of like principles. It's it's taking stuff that from boxing and whatever stuff works, and trying to put it together into a system that that you can take somebody who's never done any fighting and get them proficient pretty quickly. All right, mm-hmm. now that's that sounds like a good idea, and it and it works pretty well. But the vast majority of Krav Maga going on in the world is is basically fitness, you know, with some 
self-defense kind of stuff thrown in. But there's no right. real actual fighting going on there. So over the years, you know, I taught Krav Maga for a very long time, was certified through all the, the big organizations and stuff. But uh, over the years, you know, I, I learned more about fighting, got more involved in fighting, actually actually did some serious training with people you know you put on a suit and you you actually try the things that you're teaching in mm -hmm. self-defense class and you quickly realize that shit doesn't work you know right. if somebody grabs you and does this so it's not gonna work. many martial arts depend on um how would you say it an understanding between the two people that are fighting that yep when i kick you you're supposed to do the following right. thing yep yep right i've seen that a lot yep. uh uh, it's, you, you go to demonstrations and you, you sit there for 10 minutes and you realize this is choreography. Sure. Sure. This is not fighting. Yeah. This is choreography. Yeah. That's all it is. It really is. And then, yeah. And it, it's completely unrealistic, um, in terms of what actually, how people are actually, so there, there, let me give you an example. There's a lot of really popular videos out on, on social media and on YouTube of guys doing really, really amazing looking things. Uh, in, in terms of like self-defense, you know, combat, tactical, all this shit that you hear people say. But, uh, you know, all you got to do is watch the, the guy that's being demonstrated on and ask yourself, is that actually what somebody would do right. in this situation? Right. You know, so, for example, someone cho chokes the instructor and he does this awesome move, throws the guy on the ground, and then it looks impressive. It's fast. It looks cool. But look at the other guy. Don't watch the the demonstrator. Watch the other guy and see mm -hmm. if I was being choked like that, would I actually do that? And usually you just see a guy who's kind of just going along with it, right? So, right. so that's you know. So anyway, my my point is that um, my the thing that I've tried to do over the over the the last ten years is is try to figure out stuff that actually works. So, uh, you know, and that means pressure testing. You know, you you teach somebody a, a technique, and you have to actually have to test it, and you can't test a headbutt. But if you put a suit on somebody, now you can test the headbutt. And even mm. though you're not creating any actual damage, there's still a reaction, right? Because your brain will still say, oh, shit, something's coming at me. Mm -hmm. so, um, so anyway, I've hooked up with various people over the years. More recently, like uh, Fit to Fight, Ryan Hoover and those guys, they, they're doing not Krav Maga, but really Krav Maga in a, in a much better way now. Uh, and along the way, you know, still, tr still have done Muay Thai, taught striking, and then uh, have gotten into jiu-jitsu. Uh, especially more recently. I've always kind of been involved. But for the regular person, so here, here's my point, I guess. For the regular person uh, to learn how to fight, if you can find a good self-defense instructor, someone who can teach you how to actually fight without beating the hell out of you, and it can be done, um, that's who you want. But those people are very, very rare. They're mm -hmm. very few and far between. Um, so your Probably next as rare as good barbell cook. That's exactly right. It's 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 mm -hmm. a great analogy. So the next best thing is is I think uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or wrestling. Now there's no wrestling that adults can do typically, right? You got to do it in high school. There might be some wrestling clubs out there and stuff, but um, you know, so we're left with Jiu Jitsu. Jiu Jitsu is very very popular, um, and from day one, you're wrestling with somebody and applying these techniques that you're learning against somebody who doesn't want you to do it. Right. You learn an arm bar, you learn a choke right. and this guy doesn't want you to choke them. So you're having to learn this stuff from day one. So um, anyway, at this point, jujitsu is kind of my thing. I'm, I ran a little crowd my school here for a little while. got too busy and I'm just uh, focusing on jujitsu as far as training for this stuff. Uh, if you're if you're talking about actual fighting and we saw we, you see this in, in the evolution of things like the UFC. 
if you're talking about actual fighting, it ends up looking very much the same. Right. So right. if you think about it, what once you, we're on the ground, once we're on the ground, if we're standing up, guess what? Everybody's throwing a, a, a Muay Thai kick. Everybody's punching like a boxer. They're doing takedowns like a wrestler mm -hmm. and they're doing groundwork like a jujitsu guy because this right. is all the stuff that actually works. Right. The MMA fighter is good at putting all that together into, into, a, into a complete package. Right. right. So and if, if we went back a, a thousands of years and you looked at what the Greeks were doing in those early Olympics, I bet it looks very much like what's going on now in MMA cage. Well, there's only a couple of ways to solve exactly. the problem. Exactly. If you're going to you know. throw a hard kick, there's only one way you're going to throw a really hard kick. Yeah. If you're going to defend yourself. Mechanics. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, um, so in terms of training, people there, it all kind of looks the same and, it, and getting to our discussion here, it, it's all about force production and, and there's so much technique involved. There's so much time that needs to be spent gaining experience on the mat, practicing, pushing and pulling with another individual, you know, being mm -hmm. locked up, uh, learning how to, right. how to be efficient in your movement that it gets, it's easy to blur the training right. and practice thing. And it is for lots and lots of sports. And this yep. is why the the two-factor paradigm is so useful because it allows us to correctly analyze uh, the act of preparing for a performance, no matter when that performance might take place, right. in, uh, in any number of sports, but for today's discussion, for fighting. Uh, Strength is force production against an external resistance. Uh, the external resistance in this particular situation is the opponent. It's fairly easy to understand this. The stronger you are, the more force you can apply against your opponent. Or the and, ground. Or, or the ground or anything, but right. between the, your feet and your hands. Right. You're generating force between the point of of force application and the point of force production, which is the ground and the hands. And your kinetic chain between the ground and your hands is where the force is being produced. And uh, it's fascinating to me that so many fight guys don't seem to understand that force production is kind of central to their, yeah, to their, to their deal, you know, and I, they'll argue with you about this because they're trying and to they're 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 thinking about. I mean, they, they all know this. They all know this. If you if you hear people talk, and you 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 see them maybe commenting on a fight, and they say, "Wow, sh she looks real strong," they know. Yeah, they, they know. know. They know, right? They know. They Somebody's stronger and bigger. They, they don't know. link it back they don't link to it. preparation because because they they, they want right. they want to load the movement pattern, which is functional training, right? They want to lo load a movement pattern rather than actually get strong. Right. They want to load the movement pattern they're going to use in the performance, exactly. and that's not where strength is right. built. Yeah. Strength is built by loading movement patterns, but what movement patterns, when loaded, produce Strength. This isn't complicated. It's the squat, right. the deadlift, the press, yep. the bench press. Yep. And that's about it. Yep. That's about it. If you get your deadlift from 200 to 500, you're stronger. Now, what movement pattern are you stronger in? Well, All the deadlift, them. but every other right. movement pattern as well. Right. Because if you improve your strength, 
involved in picking a weight up off the floor by 250%. There are very few movements that you can perform in any kinetic chain that are not applied that that strength does not apply directly to it. it I, I would don't say know none. No, I would say none. It. I would say none. And the, 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 the what, what, what these guys don't understand. And, and again, this applies a, across all sport, right? Sport. Across all sport. Um, they don't understand that the strength is, is acquired, is general, right? It's acquired generally. Let's get the whole yes. body strong. And then through your practice, you're, you're, you're applying that strength into the movement pattern. What you right. hear is that doesn't look like fighting. That's the, the, the thinking, the processes. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't look like fighting. How does, how does a squat, you know, it's the same shit as the Olympic lifters. How does a squat help my kick? How does a squat help me when I'm laying on the ground on my back with somebody on top of me? Right. And this is the two-factor model. Training is a pattern of well, what we call it is accumulating a physiologic adaptation. And the accumulated physiologic adaptation we're talking about here is strength. And the accumulation of the adaptation takes place uh, over the whole system. The whole body is stronger. When you, when you take your squat from 135 to 405, your whole body got stronger. Yes, the squat does not look like fighting. But it doesn't have to look like fighting. It just needs to make you stronger. It shouldn't look like fighting. It shouldn't look like fighting. Because if it does, you're doing the wrong movement. You're doing the wrong movement. You're doing a movement that looks like fighting that's not as capable of making you strong as a squat, a proper barbell squat. Now, we get you strong. And then we teach you to apply your new strength, your newly accumulated strength, to the problem of fighting by practicing the skill of fighting. And as you get stronger and as you continue to practice, as the strength is accumulating, uh, your strength is being applied through the movement patterns that you utilize in that particular activity to the, to the, the problem, the movement pattern problem you have in the sport. And that sport could be baseball, could be tennis, could be golf, could be fighting. And if you can separate these two ideas in your in your in your mind, uh, you'll see that that uh, oh, for example, a classic a classic problem that we might run into as strength and conditioning professionals is the idea that our kid who's getting stronger in the gym, his boxing coach has got him punching the bag, working his heavy bag with weighted gloves. I did that. I've shadow boxed with 10-pound dumbbells. With 10-pound dumbbells. And it doesn't do a goddamn thing. (laughs) All it does is allow you to practice punching very, very slowly. It gets gets your shoulders tired. But it is a fundamental misunderstanding of the two processes that are involved in in getting better at punching. Uh, If you want to get stronger for punching, you bench press, you press. But you also squat and deadlift. That's right. Because punches come from the hips. That's right. It's a punches reaction. come from the floor. It's a ground reaction, right? Punches come from the floor. The rest of it is all uh, uh, practicing the movement and efficiency. 
And then you take your now stronger body and you punch yeah. with it. And look, every, they all know this, right? Because the guy that walks into the gym the first day, whether it's a, a, a Muay Thai gym or a boxing gym or even a, a, a jiu-jitsu class, the guy who's strong because he's a bodybuilder or whatever. Or just a strong, corn-fed Nebraska he, boy. He's going to you know? hit really hard. He's going to hit you hard. And, he's gonna and be, you know he's going to hit you hard and you don't want him to hit you. Yeah. Because you know he's – you know what? He's strong, and he's gonna be, and he's gonna be difficult to deal with on the ground, even if he has no skill. He's gonna be difficult to deal with. Right. And In fact, the the fact that he doesn't actually know how to spar correctly with you is actually a problem. Him, makes it's him a more problem. dangerous. Yeah, it is. Makes him more dangerous on the mat because we're just sparring, yeah. and you don't want this guy pulling yep. your head off That's accidentally exactly right. because he could do that. Yep. Uh, we used to, when I was fencing a long time ago, we used to have the the biggest problems we'd have is with. Brand new people. guys that didn't know how to fence. Yeah. yeah, they'd slap the piss out of yeah. you with their foils, yeah. and you know because they don't know how to fence. Sure, and yep. it'll hurt you. Yep. yep, you know as they specifically because they lack the skill to spar right. correctly. Yeah, they don't have the skill, they don't have the efficiency, but right. the force production is there. Is the and the 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 unbridled movement, you know, where they just do whatever is is unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And 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 when you're used to going against skilled people, you. You kind of know what they're going to do. You kind of know right. what they're not going to do. Yeah, and in a situation like fencing where the, the thing is extremely formalized and there are right-of-way right, rules right, right, and all right, that yeah, stuff, yeah. that these new guys don't know. Yeah, right. Uh, that's more of a problem. Sure. But if you come into – I mean, you got a big 300-pound strong white belt jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. It's going to be bad. He's going to be he's going to be a problem for a 185-pound <laughs> purple, purple belt. belt. Yeah, he is. He, he is. damn sure is. Yeah. Now, not that the per- so so yeah. I mean that that's a kind of a different discussion. This, this and dealing with self defense stuff, teaching teaching self defense, teaching women, you know, um, who are who are going to be smaller, who are going to be weaker. Uh, it, the smaller they are, the the weaker they are, the better their the the more skill they have to have. Yes. Right. Because to compensate, to compensate for the lack of strength. Yes. Yes. Or they so, need to carry weapons. You know. Right. I mean, that's just the truth. So ideal situation. Get, get strong. strong. Yeah, get strong. Get strong. Now, there will be people that are, and you're one of them. You're listening to this right now. And you're saying, ah, Rip don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Ah, Delgadillo doesn't know what the fuck he's Just talking about. Just another fat guy. You know, the problem <laughs> is Delgadillo does know what he's talking about, and Ripito does know what he's talking about. And, uh, you know, 30 years ago, I did quite a bit of fighting myself. I hadn't discuss this with many people because it's none of anybody's business but we used to have a little group at the gym and uh we'd we'd uh spar twice a week at the old gym location a long time ago like boxing gloves bare knuckles what are we talking about no we were doing uh a kind of a informal version of shore and rue so we were uh uh we were just going about three quarter speed you know not full contact, but just practicing movements and stuff and thinking about how to solve these kinds of problems. And we did this for three or four years. And uh, we had mats, and we grappled a little bit. And, we, you know, I, so I've done a little bit of this. I've, you know, not uh, – I mean, I, it, it'd be difficult to find a guy that hadn't fought a little bit. Yeah, hadn't bit, messed around with it. Hadn't messed yeah, around right, with right, it. That's right. what we did. But we – you know, we actually – I applied some – attention to it at one time a long time ago so i've kind of and i you know every once in a while i'll find myself uh 
in a situation and the 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 patterns of analysis that I learned are still there. Yep. I'm standing in a particular position. Well, if a guy comes up behind me, what am I going to do? Yep. My foot's thinking about it. Right. That's what you. That's the point of doing. Yep. This kind of thing for self-defense right. is thinking through situations and determining in advance what you would do in that sure. situation. I'm going out to the car. What if there's a guy waiting at the at the front quarter panel? Yep. What am I going to do? Right. Thinking about it. Don't ever get just absolutely unprepared. Let somebody get the yeah. complete drop on you. And that's what we're talking about. That's why you need to practice your fighting. But the two-factor model is, while it may not be important for uh, for self-defense thinking. No, it, it is, though. It is though. It's it's certainly I'll tell important you for for it's certainly important for competition. It is. It if is. You're but going to compete. But it's also important things. for self defense because right. because the the to the extent that you are going to hit somebody, you need mm-hmm. to be able to hit them as hard as you can if yes. you're doing self defense. To the extent that somebody's going to pick you up and slam you on the ground or mm-hmm. grab you, you have to be as strong as you possibly can to be able to handle those situations to the maximum right. uh, to your maximum ability. Right. Right. Um, and not only that, but the uh, but having more muscle mass makes you more resilient. Makes you harder to pick up, harder to move yeah. around because you'll resist. And if you do get hit, you have more protecting you. Right. You know, you have more stuff, more mass. Sure. To, things break less easy. Yes. Right. So, so for yeah, for for self defense, this this thing applies absolutely. And the more self defense oriented you are, the less you probably need to worry about cardio and all this because that's the next thing we need to talk about is right because the other the other side of this thing is yeah okay strength is great but what about cardio bro you got to have cardio to fight you know when you, you got to have abs you, you got to have abs you got to have cardio and if if you if you listen to, to commentary on mma fights it's like oh he's a cardio machine you know that's why he's so good he's cardio this cardio that. Right. Right. um you know so so that's going to be the big argument here is okay l- let's train like power lifters and this is what you hear people say all the time do you want right. to be a power lifter or do you want to be a, a martial artist do you want to be a power lifter or you want to do this right so we're not power lifting right. we're getting they, strong they think that anybody with a 500 pound squat is a power lifter. Or who does sets of five. Who does sets of five yeah. is a power lifter. Right. It, that puzzles, but what about my cardio? puzzles me. What about your cardio? Because How long does a fight last? Well, like, in like a ring a fight, or like a fight. real, real fight? I mean like 10 seconds, 20 seconds? Yeah. I think 20 seconds is a, is a long time. That's a time. long-ass fight. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a long-ass. I've never seen one that lasted no. two minutes. Oh, no, You know, no, no. some no, altercation no. in some guy's front yard no. across the street might no. last... Might last that long, but if you really if look at that, if two guys don't actually know how to fight, it, it might go a minute, thirty seconds. Two guys yelling at each other are not fighting. Yeah, two guys yelling at each other in the front yard oh, they, for five minutes are not fighting. But they might be grabbing each other's shirts and rolling around on the ground or something. Right. But it, it, if anybody knows how to fight, that's going to be pretty quick. 20, 30 seconds. Pretty much over sec- with. 10, pretty quick. seconds. And 10, 20, 30 seconds. A minute, two minutes is not a cardio situation. Not well. Look, and even even a five minute round is not a cardio not, situation. Not really. It's no. not because it's 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 short bursts yes. of very very high intensity that accumulate to five minutes. To worth accumulate of, to five minutes. So worth of I've seen. I, I've heard activity. people, and I used to do this. I, and I used to do this. You okay? I, I I'm sparring for five minute rounds. I'm sparring for three minute rounds. So I'm going to set a timer for ten minutes and push the prowler for ten minutes. Guess what? After the first 10 seconds, you're not doing anything like fighting. You're just trudging along behind this right. fucking prowler. 
You know, it's not like that. So a better way to train is to do 10-second sprints on a prowler. 10-second heats. And do them over and over and over again. Accumulate 10 10 10-second heats on the prowler. Exactly, exactly. 10 seconds, rest 10 seconds, 10 more seconds. Or even better, just practice the fucking thing. Right. That's an even better way to do it. Get strong. Forget the prowler. Get strong and spark. Yeah. At 75%. Because there's nothing more specific to the thing that you're doing than actually doing the thing. So, right. you know, and the, the problem is when, when the first time that somebody gets into a, a starts sparring, first time that somebody goes to jujitsu class, the first thing that they'll tell you is, oh, my God, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. Their mm-hmm. heart's beating, you know, it's and it, that doesn't feel like lifting weights. Lifting weights doesn't make you feel it. Unless, you, you know, you're hitting a PR set of five deadlift, you mm-hmm. might get close. But it doesn't feel anything like drowning, like you feel on a mat. Right. So people are trying to recreate that that feeling in the gym, or you know, when with they'd implements. be better off experiencing that and obtaining the conditioning for it on the mat while getting strong. While getting yeah, because, while getting strong right. over here exactly in another workout exactly. in another workout. Exactly. This is, I you know this this comes up when in discussions of soccer all the time. You know, well, what are we going to do for conditioning for soccer? I know you said we need to squat and deadlift for soccer and, and do presses and benches to get strong for soccer. But what about getting ready for soccer? What kind of cardio do I need to do getting ready for soccer? And the question is always, are you practicing soccer? Yeah. Are you practicing soccer real easy? Or are you practicing soccer? Yeah. Do you not think that soccer practice provides conditioning? For soccer, if how it, often are you playing a game? Once a week, you think that two-hour game is not yeah. producing a conditioning effect? And if your practice you, isn't you, pr- producing a conditioning effect, you're not practicing. You're not practicing, practicing right. Yeah, you're not practicing because, correctly because it's not only the movement pattern; it's not only the skill that you're practicing. You also need to be practicing the conditioning aspect yes. of it, right? So well, you, you ought to be playing at at game intensity, yeah, or so or close to obtain yep. the conditioning sure. at game intensity, sure. yep. and you, you can't divorce the conditioning aspect of performance from the context of preparation for the next performance. Yep. A soccer game on Saturday contributes to next Saturday's game. Right. Right? And this, this is true of all of these sports that people think, well, we have to, we have to go run a mile for. Yeah. No, you don't. Yep. Because you're playing the sport. What kind of conditioning for tennis is better than tennis? You know? Yeah. Tennis. If I was conditioning for ten- if I was going to try to dream up some conditioning for tennis, it'd probably be cone drills. Sure. Something like that. Direction yep. change, kind of short, rapid, things yep. like that. Uh, but – I don't even know that it's that's not, necessary. I don't think it's necessary either. Yeah, because But if that's what it would look like, if you wanted to do something off the court, but on the court, you're practicing not only the the circumstances that that produce the conditioning effect, but you're practicing racket skills too. Yeah, I think with I think with conditioning, and you you, you disagree, Tell me if you disagree with this, but with conditioning, the 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 spectrum of what's useful is much much smaller than on the strength side, right? So if uh, and here's what I mean by that. If you've got like let's let's imagine a, a, a just a spectrum or a triangle or something, and you have your sport at the top of that, 
the most specific thing you can do for that sport is the sport. Yeah, the sport. Yes. And then that drops off very, very quickly. Yes. So anything that deviates from that. So your cone drills might be maybe one step below that. Mm-hmm. And but there's not much else after that. No, running a mile is not even in the triangle. Right. So if you if you were to if you were to try to match from a, from a uh, a metabolic standpoint or from an energy system standpoint, the what you're going to need probably the best thing is is just pushing a prowler because i mean it's not going to match the, the 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 sport really but you're you're using your energy systems as much as you possibly can for short durations right and then maybe some of that will, will transfer into your sport but it, it's again it's i don't think it's necessary so uh, yeah i mean if you if you want conditioning make it as general as possible so that it uh, you use a prowler or something. Otherwise, you just need to be practicing the sport. You know, use a prowler because it's going to do what you want in terms of the energy systems. Uh, but and really, you don't even need is, to. You don't even, even need to. That is actually a training. That's problem. training. That's exactly. That's a training you're, you're, problem. Exactly. You're, you're accumulating training. a physiologic yeah. adaptation. Yeah. And that, that that was my clumsy way of saying that. So you're right. you're using the prowler to accumulate that that uh, physiological adaptation, where trying to do like tennis with a weighted racket or with ankle weights on or or sparring with weighted gloves or or hitting a heavy bag with heavy with heavy gloves on is too much like the sport like right. the movement pattern to to be of any use in, in fact there is a there is an argument to be made that your conditioning activities really and your train any your training activities in general whether it's strength training or conditioning training should not look like the sport prepper, right. the sport practice yep. itself, because movement patterns that are specific in terms of accuracy and precision uh, demand specificity, so to speak. If you are going to throw a 155-gram baseball at the catcher's mitt 60 feet 6 inches away, the practice needs to be a 155-gram baseball thrown at the catcher's mitt 60 feet, 6 inches away. You don't practice throwing it at 75 feet. You don't practice throwing it at 30 feet. You don't practice throwing a 225-gram baseball. And I know that heavy baseballs are, are thrown by these guys, and I'm just, I just think that's insane. You know, the... The more work that you can do that is specific to the performance, the better. And the less work you can do that is semi-specific to the performance, then the less chance you will have of interfering with an extremely specific motor pathway that you're trying to, trying to establish. The motor pathway practice the part that you must do with accuracy and precision is exquisitely specific to the performance. So you get strong for baseball by squatting, benching, pressing, and deadlifting. And you get good at pitching by throwing the ball at the catcher's mitt the proper distance away. Batting practice is the same thing. You don't practice batting with a heavy bat. Uh, if you get good at practicing with a heavy bat where you can hit the ball with a heavy bat, what happens when you go back to the game bat? 
Now you're swinging it faster. And you just practiced the timing incorrectly. And, and that that makes that that'll make sense even even to uh, I think that argument makes sense to uh, to a, a broad range of people. The argument yes. you just made, but when you involve something, so. when you, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it makes perfect sense. But when you involve something like fighting, there's this there's this like magical aspect that people have in their mind, yes. and that can't possibly be the same. It no. can't possibly be the same because now you're you're involved in combat with another individual. But be, people don't want to understand that it should be approached the same way as any strength and conditioning should be approached. Get strong, mm-hmm. practice, practice your sport. Practice the sport right. as close to the sport as you can practice it. Get strong, spar. Yep. Get strong. Yep. Play soccer. Yep. Get strong. Play tennis. Get strong. Practice football. Right. If there's a sport that has a conditioning component that you can't obtain in practice, there aren't many there aren't that I many. can How, think of. What is there? What but is there that would be like that? I, marathon. Well, yeah, okay. You, yeah, now marathon. you get into a situation that, where you've got extreme endurance sure, sports. Sure, yeah, I got you. Uh, you've got see training for marathon is the same principle yep. as training for strength. You are trying to accumulate a physiologic adaptation that you don't have right now. What's the best way to train for a marathon? Well, I don't think it's running 26.2 no, miles. No, they'll agree with you. They, none of them do yeah, that. none of them do that. None yeah. of them actually do but, that. But, but the reason for that is, is because the, the marathon is so stressful and so yes, damaging. It just, it's, you can't it, it, do it. You can't do it. You can't, you can't do, do it, do but it. two or three times a year. Even crazy people don't do it anymore sure. than that. And, uh, but most most sports don't fall. I mean, there's cycling, that, there's distance that cycling. That is an extreme example. Extreme. That's right. an extreme example. And most sports are somewhere in the middle. Most sports are somewhere in the middle. That's absolutely true. Powerlifting and marathon. The other end, right? Are are two sports where training and practice are kind of similar, right? But even that is not absolutely 100% true because powerlifters have to use equipment. They use heavy heavy singles for third attempts. You can't really practice third attempts in your training because then that doesn't become – it doesn't look like training. You can't just do heavy singles all the time. Yep. And uh, you've got to do some other stuff for it. But on that spectrum, training for powerlifting looks more like a performance than – training for football does on the other hand endurance stuff like marathon training for marathon and practice for marathon are kind of the same thing as marathon technically is not complicated there's some strategy involved in it but it's one foot in front of the other and uh it's just a bunch of running training for power lifting a bunch of lifting weights but football He's here in the middle. Yep. He's here in the middle. The game doesn't look like anything but the game. Yep. The game doesn't look like lifting weights. Right. So and, and uh, they used to they used to understand this. I mean, when I when I played football in high school, you you everybody knew you lifted weights in the off season right. and you did and you football got, in season. You got big and strong. Right. So the way right. I used to explain it is it's just it, it's no different than football. You 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 train in the gym. And then you go do the thing that you're going to do, and it's just it's just baffling. You see, right. the 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 classic thing is the boxers doing road work. Yes, 
boxers doing road work, you know, and it's it just they still I, they I think they still do that. They still do that. They still do they that. They still do that. Running five miles. Now there might be some mental aspect of that of being I, able to I, suffer for that long. I can't. I, you know, I just I really it's have completely thought useless. about that quite a bit. I don't see any point. There isn't in, any point you know, in road work for boxing. It's just what we've always done, yeah. so we're going to continue right. to do it. Right. Muhammad Ali did road work. So, by God, he was the best boxer that's ever lived. So, by God, yeah. we're going to do, by God, road and work. And was running five God, miles for Muhammad did. Ali difficult. Right. It wasn't. No. It wasn't no. difficult. No. No. And uh, Muhammad Ali wasn't the greatest boxer probably that's ever lived because he ran five miles. That's right. Other shit was involved. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you understand this? I hope you guys understand what I'm talking about because this is terribly important to understand. Sometimes we're good despite the fact that the people who are training us are morons. Yeah. Okay. Happens all the time. Functional training for football now. Yeah. Past 10 or 15 years, the uh, strength and conditioning profession has jumped off a cliff. They yeah. have jumped off of the cliff. Yeah. They have decided that the weight room is the place to display yes. the athletic ability that the recruiter hired the yes. kids to do. That's everywhere, though. It's, it's not everywhere. Just, it's not, look, you've got it's these. Everywhere. You've got these high-level jujitsu people, and you know I follow them on social media and stuff. And you've got like, you've got a champion jujitsu person, jujitsu player, and they're they're doing jujitsu stuff with like a band, with like a band, like as if as if that's going to make as you if stronger. having another person on top of you is not enough. Right. When you're actually doing jujitsu, so let's put a band on it. Let's just put a band. Because the, the strength and conditioning guy doesn't know what jiu-jitsu is. No. Like, he just sees a movement. He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, let's, let's just do load that. that movement. Let's do that with a band. Let's load the move. Let's take the movements we're going to use in the performance and load them. Yeah. Because that's obviously the best way to get strong for that movement. Right. No. It's not. It's not. And, the fen- the- and I should not have to explain this to any of you. Yeah. This is – you have to understand – that there's not any better way to get strong than a heavy deadlift and a heavy squat and a heavy press and a heavy bench press. There's no better way to get strong. Uh, how many weight rooms at D1 schools and pro weight rooms, you know, at the training facility for the team are set up to do uh, resisted rotation stuff because the sport is perceived to be rotational. Right? Oh, yep. most of them. Most of them. For baseball players. Yeah. This resist the <laughs> rotation. Do you not understand that? Uh, here's, here, let me make it, let me put this in terms that you can understand. Are steroids rotational? Do steroids act in a way that makes your rotational strength specifically strong. Are there any rotational steroids? No. What do steroids do? Yeah, and why are they banned? And why are they banned? Why are they banned in the UFC? Because they make you stronger yeah. generally because strength is a general adaptation. Now, once you get your brain wrapped around the idea that there aren't any technique steroids, that there aren't any rotational steroids, that steroids just make you stronger, then you are beginning to crack the nut here. Yeah. 
of the problem. The problem is that you are either too lazy to do your heavy deadlifts to get strong, or you're relying on somebody for strength and conditioning advice that doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. All right? This is a bad problem. If you understand that steroids are good for your performance, then it's not much of a leap to realize that strength is good for your performance and that the general acquisition of strength, like steroids give you, are beneficial for your sport. And they're not specific. Strength is a generally acquired characteristic. Taking steroids makes you stronger. Generally, they don't make you stronger rotationally or positionally. They make you stronger generally. So do deadlifts and squats. And deadlifts and squats are not illegal. <laughs> deadlifts and squats, we don't, WADA doesn't test for deadlifts and squats. Yeah. At least not yet. Yeah, steroids, and, don't, and, steroids don't improve your reaction time. They no. don't improve your ability to throw a punch. Uh, other than that, they make your they punch make stronger. They make your punch stronger, right? They so, make so you power goes able up, to hit harder. That's right. That's right. Right. So Barry Bonds has to go. Favorite topic here. Barry Bonds <laughs> has to go talk to John McCain. <laughs> My dislike for John McCain started with the hearings, the yeah. Barry Bonds yeah. thing. Here is this pompous old man in the Senate of the United States. A delib- the greatest deliberative body on the earth, right? Who has decided to involve itself with professional sports. Yeah. Now, I'm sorry. I think they have other things to do. Maybe. But a it budget, looks so... Maybe? Yeah, maybe produce a budget every <laughs> once in a while. You know, but no, no, we've got to talk to... we got to talk to a baseball player about growth hormone and steroids <laughs> and sports, Okay. To begin with, that nobody in the Senate of the United States understands any aspect of either growth hormone or steroids or professional sports. They just wanted the cameras on them. They just wanted the photo up. Do something. They wanted to look. Do something. They wanted to look involved yeah. in popular They're culture. Something. They're doing something. They're making the making America safe for right, the kids. Right. Yeah. That's exactly the kids. exactly what the hell they're doing. That's right. And it made me ill. To watch these fools up there talking about Barry Bond's trainer having once injected him with human growth hormone. What? And Conseco's like, and Conseco's like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. oh fuck. And everybody else too. John McCain's not dead yet. I'll have to go talk to him. Oh god! They're all sitting around the locker room like, oh shit, oh shit. Like human growth hormone does a goddamn thing for sports performance anyway. That's the stupid. But what did you do, you idiots? What did you do when you sat there and told every kid in the United States that growth hormone is all that separates you from Barry Bonds? That's right. What kind of idiocy? Or Arnold Schwarzenegger. This makes exactly as much sense as promising free health care to illegal immigrants. 
Oh, oh, you don't think that'll make them want to come? No, and they believe it too. And they believe it. They believe it too. They, they, yeah. They oh, believe. he's a cheater. He's, he's a, a cheater. cheater. Arnold, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a cheater the, because he took steroids. This whole thing started back in 1988 with Ben Johnson and Carl Lewis. And this was the first extremely public airing of the steroid controversy. And the news media spent about a solid month telling every high school kid in the world that all they had to do to beat Carl Lewis Mm -hmm. was take steroids. That's all they had to do to beat Carl Lewis is do what Ben Johnson did and take steroids. Like Carl Lewis hadn't taken any steroids. Yeah. Uh, But but what the uh, hell do you think you're accomplishing by focusing so much attention on something you so thoroughly misunderstand? And what is the net effect of that? Why, you just advertised steroids. Yeah. To a whole bunch of people who had never even thought about it. Didn't know what the hell they were, but now you've told them. And because, you know, you're Sports Illustrated, you know, you're ESPN, you're the experts, right? You just told all those kids that they need to go get some steroids. And you're forcing them. And guess what they did? They got some steroids. They got some steroids. (laughs) And then you're forcing these guys to lie, too. You know, look, Lance Armstrong's an asshole, but... Everybody on his fucking team was he's, on shit. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, he's the only cyclist. He's the only one, right? He's the that's only ever cyclist. taken any drugs, and any not, performance enhancing drugs. And not only drugs. on the team, but how about in the entire thing, right? The whole the sport. The whole goddamn thing. It's the thing. dirtiest sport on earth. Yeah. It, if you're considering drugs to be dirty. That's but right. once again, boys and girls, what do drugs do? They make you stronger, generally. They don't make you stronger in a circle. They don't make you stronger swinging a bat. They make you stronger. And what is the easier way to do it? Far more effective way to do that, especially if you've never trained for strength. Get strong. To get strong. Squats. Press. Bench press. Deadlift. Get strong. And you don't have to go talk to John McCain if you do that. Thankfully, we don't have to talk to him anymore. <laughs> but you don't. You're what? What it basically boils down to is is everybody knows that strength has to be trained for for sports. Everybody and knows they know this. it's important. They know it's important. They, Even, it's yeah. important enough that they want to take steroids to get stronger. Yeah. But the strength and conditioning people who abdicate their responsibility for showing their athletes how to accumulate a strength adaptation because they don't know themselves because they're not any good at their job are really kind of the gateway drug here for for steroids because what we're doing in the weight room is dancing around with 10-pound dumbbells on BOSU balls and stuff. How am I supposed to get strong doing that? And I know I need to be strong, so what am I going to do? Or how do I keep my uh, how do I keep my knees healthy for the next how do I five keep years? My in knees my healthy because you know, <clears throat> strong leg muscles keep my knees from yep. getting injured. How am I going to do that if I'm not squatting a deadlift? Right. Yep. Guess I'll go get some steroids. Yeah. Anytime you say steroids, what you're saying is strength. Strong. Yeah, strength. 
That's what you mean when you say steroids. You're saying strength. And how is strength best acquired? Squat, bench press, press, deadlift. If you're not doing that, then you're ignoring the training part of athletic preparation. You may be practicing baseball in a perfectly adequate way, but if you're not doing the other half of the preparation two-factor paradigm, then you are not prepared for performance. This applies to everything, and especially fighting. When laying your hands on an opponent and moving him around is the nature of the win. And you and and nobody will real understand this until they've actually done it. Mm-hmm. That, that's the that's the, the the thing here, right? So everybody right. everybody's comfortable doing what they're doing now, and they they're they're hesitant to shift into another way of doing things. But for for the people out there who are who are thinking about this stuff, thinking about how to train, how to get better at their sport, there's nothing that you can do. And this is this is again a fundamental thing about the two factor model. There's nothing that you can do for a given period of time that will improve your performance more than getting strong. Yes. So, you know, after the after the initial three months, four months, six months of your sport, let's say you get into jiu-jitsu and you suck the first day, you don't know anything. But after that phase where you have, have established a level of competence where you, 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 you're actually a little bit effective, um, beyond that point, the timeline of improving stretches way, way out. You're not going to get any much better, significantly better for another year or two years. In terms of skill. In terms of skill. Right. But what you can do is spend three months getting strong, getting brutally strong, and guess what? You'll immediately be better Immediately be better at the same level of skill. At the same level of skill. That's right. At the same level of skill. Yes. But it's going to require that you take a step back, get the ideas you have about strength and conditioning out of your brain, and, and look, just go to class practice your skill, do your stuff, and then spend two to three days in the gym getting strong and watch what happens. You, know, you can always go back to, to doing heavy-weighted walking lunges. Uh, you can always go back to, to punching with a band wrapped around <laughs> your shoulder. You always go back to all that bullshit. Right. But you know, spend some time getting strong, and your perform- the performance will improve. It happens every single time. Every single time without fail. Uh, Nick, thanks for being with us today. Uh, Nick's been doing this a long time and you need to listen to what we're talking about. Uh, fighting may happen to you and a smart man is prepared. A smart woman is prepared. Be prepared. Scouts on it. Be prepared. Thanks. See you next time on the starting screen. Radio.